Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B guy here, and today, the H1B guy live on May 25th, 2022. Today, I'm going to cover the July 2022 Visa Bulletin preview, as well as have a conversation on a work visa lottery question um, that posed merit versus lottery and skill based on um, on the Georgia ballot in the midterm election here yesterday, as well as taking your Q&A. Uh, but before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention that H-1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. You can book an appointment directly with me via the H-1BGuy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Sedesis and Path to Canada the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. And Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. Also by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and also by Mob Squad. If you're a technology professional that is facing U.S. work visa-related challenges, your OPT visa may be about to expire and you were not selected in the H-1B lottery that was held this past March, please check out our partner Mob Squad. They have a solution. Join the squad. Well, thanks to everyone who has joined me here this afternoon. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to jump in today as school begins to wind down here in the U.S. Um, we have our Memorial Day holiday weekend coming up uh, next Monday. And a lot of things are really going on right now. It's uh, a, a very interesting time as we start to look at um, the midterm elections and some of the primaries that were held in several states here in the U.S., and so one of the things that I wanted to talk about today that really caught my attention over the last couple of days, uh, typically in midterm elections, you'll see party lines uh, do kind of a polling, if you will. And they, they use the ballot to do a polling. And there's generally anywhere between three to nine questions um, that are like yes, no questions or, you know, indifferent or other kind of thing. And um, one of the questions that was included yesterday, and this is really interesting, and I think it's something that begins to give us some ideas of what the next year or two could potentially look like um, in the immigration landscape. And, and that question that was posed on the uh, those who elected to vote Republican here in the state of Georgia um, question number four and what they call Georgia Republican Party questions. And that question was, quote, two of three current federal work visa programs are lottery based. Should federal work visas instead be issued on job skill? So let me repeat that one more time. 
Question number four on the Georgia Republican Party questions was this. Two of three current federal work visa programs are lottery-based. Should federal work visas instead be issued on job skill? So what are the visas that we're talking about? Well, the one that we cover a lot here on this channel and that this channel is named after, of course, uh, the H-1B visa. And then you have the H-2 visa as well which is also awarded based on a lottery. And so it's really interesting here in 2022, in a midterm election year, that the Republican Party in the state of Georgia is asking about work visas, specifically the H-1B and the H-2 visa that are both lottery-based. And this is on the back of an historic a uh, number of registrations that occurred in the H-1B lottery for fiscal year 2023 is, as we've covered, um, you know, over 400,000, right? 483,000 plus. And so if we go back to one of the things that the Trump administration ran on, right, was this concept of, of merit-based immigration. I've covered merit-based immigration here uh, numerous times on this channel. Uh, if you go way back to the beginning, uh, kind of the conception and launch of this channel in the first few months, um, I, I, I did a, a series of videos around merit-based immigration, and, and I'll try to link those in the video description below um, once this live stream wraps up. But for those of you who followed me for any amount of time, um, you know that uh, I'm a big proponent of a merit-based point system. Um, I've highlighted the numerous merit-based immigration systems that exist around the world and their impacts that, that they have um, on migration into those countries, uh, specifically the Canada, Australia, the UK, uh, New Zealand. Um, and we've seen some, some expansions with Germany and uh, the United Arab Emirates. And so Interesting, buried down in the Republican ballot on the Georgia primary for the midterms, right? The midterm primary, if you will, um, uh, on, on the party side, um, we saw this question. And again, that question was two, three current federal work visa programs are lottery based. Should federal work visas instead be issued on job skill? So for those of you out there watching, um, would love to know what your thoughts are on this question. Um, I do want to cover the, the vote and you can access this via a, a website called ballotpedia.org. Um, and it has the, the, the overall voting numbers. And that was this question held an 86.6% yes vote. So, 652,788 individuals who, who voted on the Republican ballot for this midterm that was held here in, in May um, for the, the midterm primaries, which will be in, in November, 652,788 individuals voted yes, that they support a merit-based system over a lottery-based system. Now, granted, this is a small sample size. It's only, it's a little over, just kind of based on my very quick math here, uh, 753,800 plus individuals voted on 
um, the Republican ballot here uh, in in this, um, this this Republican primary that, that held place yesterday here in Georgia. Um, it had 101,078 no votes, and that was 13.4% of the total votes. This is really fascinating. And why is this fascinating? Well, this is fascinating when you look at the U.S. Senate race that's going to occur here um, in, in Georgia over really the next, what is that, six, five months? Uh, the next five months. And we have... Uh, Herschel Walker, who won the Republican nomination um, to run against the current incumbent, uh, Raphael Warnock. And a lot of you out there may not be familiar with Herschel Walker. But the interesting thing about Herschel Walker is that he is a former University of Georgia national champion on the football team, Heisman Trophy winner. He played in the USFL for the New Jersey Generals, owned by Donald Trump. He also played in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys, as, as well as the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Herschel's done a lot in food and genetics. Um, he's had a brief MMA career, and he's kept his nose kind of around uh, politics and, and the spotlight, if you will. And so I think this race is going to be very interesting when we look at um, the incumbent Warnock running against Herschel Walker, both African-Americans. Uh, I, I think that you're going to see a very tight race. Um, and the reason why is Herschel Walker appeals to this sort of moderate base that is existing in Georgia. And as we're seeing kind of this definition of a purple state, a state with a very large major metropolitan area um, that has a lot of very sort of progressive liberal voters, as well as the rest of the state, which tends to be more on the moderate to very conservative side. Uh, but this question is fascinating because it's going to be interesting to see how they position it um, over the course of the primary, specifically the Republican Party, when we look at uh, this race for the Senate. But I thought that, that some of you may find this interesting. Here is the Georgia Republican Party asking voters about their thoughts on the H-1B visa lottery, the H-2 visa lottery, and would they prefer a merit-based type system? based on job skill, issued on job skill. Uh, we'll continue to monitor some of the results and uh, what, what comes of this going forward. Um, but I thought that that was very interesting. Right now, I'm not aware of this question being asked on any other state ballots, but if any of you out there have seen any information on that, I would love to hear more about it. Um, with that being said, I, I did wanna ask you, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video. Uh, please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today, a little after two o'clock um, Eastern time on May 25th, 2022. Uh, I know that some of you have questions. I see one question already. Definitely going to do a Q&A round here at uh, probably a little after the 20 minute mark. Um, only plan to go about 40, 45 minutes today. So if you have questions or comments, please go ahead and put those in the chat. Um, I will definitely get to those towards the end of the live stream. Would also like to ask you if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform on the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, you can do so currently through the super chat function. Uh, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, there's also a super thanks option or there's ways that you could support the H1B Guy platform 
uh, in the video description below. Just want to thank everyone who's taken time to join me this afternoon. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to listen to me cover some of the latest in immigration. So over the last week, really since the bulletin came out back on May the 12th, I've been getting a lot of questions around what are my thoughts are for the July bulletin specifically. Um, of course, I'll be putting out the H-1B guy forecast most likely on Wednesday, June the 1st. Um, so be on the lookout for that post. We'll probably post that sometime mid-morning on Wednesday, June the 1st. Um, I am in the process of kind of going through what my predictions are going to look like. But last month, I did a kind of a preview of that. Um, and a lot of you really reached out to me and, um, you know, thanked me for it. And, and that seemed to, to provide some, some value for all of you. Uh, of course, like I talked about last week, when we talk about predictions, specifically the Visa Bulletin, um, yeah, they're they're completely made up guesses, right? And a lot of it is is what I would call my own personal hunches. Uh, as well as I, I base it on historical data, um, as I've mentioned many times, I've covered the Visa Bulletin and followed it now for a little over 10 years. And, um, you know, I feel like it gives me a good feel for, for how it tracks monthly. But sometimes we get situations like what happened in June, um, where you see EB2 final action jump uh, 365 days forward and, and kind of catches you off guard. Um, but with that being said, you know, what we've seen over the last uh, couple of months that's been consistent and we can go even back to November. And that is very little movement across uh, China EB2 final action, definitely dates of filing. But in EB3 for India and China, we've seen the EB1 dates across all categories remain current. Um, and we've seen some very aggressive movement, both in India EB2 final action, as well as India EB2 dates of filing. And what's interesting that we saw in June that occurred is that um, we had that movement in final action, that 365 days of forward movement in final action, but we didn't see any movement in dates of filing. In fact, the, 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 the months really creeped up. And a lot of times as we go back and the Department of State has been on record many times to say that dates of filing are used as a indicator to predict where final action dates will be in the next six to 12 months. Pretty big gap, but they've, they've generally erred on that kind of nine month range, right? Um, and so what I think is, is interesting here is we didn't see any movement for dates of filing uh, for India EB2, and of course, no really movement in any of the other categories except for EB1, which remains current across um, all, all countries, right? So what does that mean? Kind of foreshadowing into July, what does that mean? A lot of you are asking me about uh, how far do I think the dates will go as it relates to 2014 specifically for final action. And a little bit of what I've discussed last week, and I, I still feel a, a lot of the same right now, um, and, and that is it feels like to me that they will move final action dates about a month forward over the next three months, which would then put them by September um, at that December 1st, 2014 date. And I think that you would see those those dates align. What does that mean going into October? I still am uncertain. And it seems to be kind of two growing factions here that feel like they're 
is absolutely going to be corrective action that occurs in October and November. And then there's others that feel confident that the dates will hold and, and potentially even accelerate as we find out what allocation is going to be made for fiscal year 20, uh, 2023. Okay. Um, so we're, we're still working through that. And, and I've responded to a lot of you who had comments on um, other posts that I've had on YouTube. Sorry, that some of you, I hadn't gotten back to you in, in a week or week plus. So my apologies on that. But I was able to uh, go in and answer all of the questions that I felt were, were relevant or comments that I felt were relevant. Um, so appreciate you guys asking me those questions in the comments. I do try to get through most of them. Some of them I do miss unintentionally. So if I missed your question or comment, um, it wasn't intentional. Um, but my thoughts are this. And I think as I really start to look at it and, and get a feel for uh, for where this movement is and kind of what this new regime um, has in store as we look at the Department of State and, and their colleagues at, at USCIS, um, very clearly there is a mandate being put on USCIS to adjudicate as many of these cases as possible. Yet I hear from many of you that your case that was submitted back in October of 2021 still is pending. And so what does that mean? That means that we are almost 18 months since that date, maybe a little bit more. Um, and you have a case that's, that's been submitted a little less than, than two years and it's, it's still pending. Um, what does that mean for processing capabilities within USCIS, even with this sort of new internal mandate? Um, and, and that makes me feel like the threshold for cases that they could possibly process this year is somewhere around 200,000. Um, I've seen anywhere between 260,000 to 290,000 that were available via the spillover and, and extras. And that's why we saw a lot of the aggressive movement um, and dates of filing and also now final action dates. As I covered a little bit last week, and, and that was talking about the I-140 approval numbers, because that to me is a sign of some of the advancement that, that we've seen. And I generally go back and, and try to get account for that, because when we look at I-140 numbers, it doesn't really paint the full picture of the number of individuals that are in the backlog. And that's because it doesn't account for spouses and dependents, children under 21, documented dreamers. And so when we start to look at those numbers and what does it mean, it, it really kind of paints a, a picture to me that I don't think we're going to see a lot of aggressive movement in this last quarter of fiscal year 2022. Um, I feel like we're going to see a lot of status quo. And the one thing that I'm beginning to get uh, sort of a sense of and, and a feel for is that EB3 probably is going to remain as is over the next couple of months. There is a possibility there could be some movement that occurs in September, but most likely October. Um, and a lot of folks have asked me, well, what kind of movement do I expect for EB3 in China and India going forward in October? And I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. I'm not sure if we'll see three months, six months, a year. I don't think it'll be that aggressive initially, but I do believe that, that we will see some movement um, at some point, either at the very last month of this fiscal year or the first two months of fiscal year 2023. But one of the last things that, that I wanted to, to just kind of hit on here um, is some of the indicators that, that we talked about. And that is a couple of times it was alluded of possible corrective action in EB2 on the bulletin. And I felt like um, 
after the corrective action that occurred in EB4, I was really interested to see if we would see any corrective action in Mexico EB4, and we haven't. It's it's held tight. And we haven't seen any additional retrogression in EB2. So that tells me they went back far enough in, in that particular category. Um, but it will be interesting to see what occurs going forward. Um, and I'm really interested to see where things rank for July. So with that being said, I definitely want to take your questions and comments. I see a couple here in the chat. If you do have questions or comments, I'd love to address those here in the next minute or two. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to remind everyone, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, um, and click the bell for notifications. I'd also like to thank our partners, Syndesis and Path to Canada, uh, as well as perm-ads.com and our good friends at Mob Squad for their continued support and helping you uh, get these streams and helping me produce and publish these streams. I can't do it without your support or without theirs. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to check out any of those three sponsors that I just mentioned, really grateful for their partnership. There are links in the descriptions below. Please be sure to check them out um, and let them know uh, where you found them, that you found them from the H1B guy. So wanted to go ahead and move into these questions. I plan to take questions over the next 15 or so minutes. I only see a few questions here in the chat. So if you have questions, comments, what do you think about um, the merit-based immigration question that was posed on the Georgia Republican ballot? What are your thoughts around the July visa bulletin and going forward? Are you sensing that there's a possibility of corrective action uh, that could occur um, over, the next, uh, over the next several months? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, see what happens. So... Let's jump into these questions. Hey, Efren, how are you? Did USCRS already announce the second lottery? No, um, I don't anticipate uh, a second lottery will be announced until mid-late July. Um, I feel like June 30th, that's the cutoff for applications for the physical paper applications. If, if you remember, um, USCIS opened that paper application portal starting on April 1st, and that will close on June 30th. It gives them time to, to know the allocations and um, the application rate. And so I'm anticipating if there is a second lottery, which I believe that there will be, if there is, I'm still guessing that it will be sometime towards uh, the end of July. Um, and, and as I've said, I expected it to be somewhere maybe around July 25th. Um, and it through as late as like the first week of, of August. So July 25th is a Monday. That first week of August is through August 5th. So my guess, and this is just, again, it's a, it's an opinion. It's a completely made up guess, but I'm kind of basing it off of what's happened over um, the last couple of years. And, and that is somewhere between July 22nd through August 5th, they will hold a second lottery. Now, the question is, is how many visas are available? My guess is probably not many, somewhere between, I'd say, maybe eight to 15,000, uh, depending on the application rate. 
And right now, USCIS is saying that they only expect about a 66% application rate. That's why they selected the 120 plus thousand that they did. So great question, Efron. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking time to, uh, to join my stream here. Hey, Venkata, how are you? Your PD is EB2, February 2nd, 2015. Really upset after seeing the June visa pools, and it was almost everybody predicted a little movement in uh, filing dates, including you. Could you throw some light on my fate, please? Yeah, I thought it was going to move to February 1st, which you still wouldn't have made that cut, if you remember. Um, I had it moving forward about 60 days, and I was wrong. Um, and you know, why was I wrong? Well, I, I felt like they still had some more ground to gain and they didn't. So that's what leads me to believe that, that it may be there at least until the end of this fiscal year. So if I'm you, what am I doing? Well, I'm chewing my fingernails and in anxiety, right? Um, because you're like right on that bubble. I mean, you're what, 62 days maybe? Um, let me calculate that really quickly. You're, you're really close as you already are aware of. You probably already know how many days you are um, away, but let me just get an exact point of reference for you. So December 2014 to February 2nd, 2015. So you're at 63 days. 63 days is where you are. Yeah. Um, you're one of these that hopes that we do see some movement over the next month or two, specifically in filing dates of filing, but also that at least it occurs in the beginning of October or November, even if everything holds tight. Uh, because when we go back and look at traditionally speaking, USCIS has accepted dates of filing at least in the first few months of each fiscal year. This year was really kind of historic as it went all the way through May, um, which was October, November, December, January, February, May, about eight months of, of taking dates of filing. So there is that big push, right, that we, we talked about. Um, but my guess is July will tell us more for you. And you know, that for you means what? Roughly about 20 days, I guess, before the July bulletin comes out. And if you don't see any movement in dates of filing, I think that's going to be a clear indicator that uh, that it will hold pat. Um, yeah, I see you say 65 days. My calculator says, let's see. I thought it said 63, but I could be wrong. Yeah, from... Monday, December 1st, 2014 to Monday, February 2nd, 2015 is 63 days, two months in one day, um, based on the, the, the planet calc.com calculator that I use. Um, but still very interesting. You're right on that bubble, man. Keep the faith. Keep joining me here on these streams. We can keep talking about it. Hey, Sanjin, thank you. Uh, that's what the purpose of this channel is, right? Um, to help individuals like you to bring awareness to employment-based immigration benefits, to talk about um, the path for H-1Bs and the path of permanent residency that, that is experienced by 
um, individuals, high-skilled immigrants, specifically um, those who come on an H-1B visa. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you uh, jumping in the stream today. Hey, Nitin, how are you, my good friend? So good to see you. Um, been a while since we've caught up, but I hope you're well. Um, there are predictions that EB3 will move by a few days in July. What do I think? I have not heard that, but that's interesting. And that would tell me that, look, where are we sitting right now? If we look at final action for India EB3, we're sitting at January 15th, 2012. And if you look at what dates of filing, you know, it's not much different. It's exactly that week different, January 22nd, 2012. Um, if we go back to kind of what I was talking about, that nine months in advance, right? We talk about where do we expect um final action dates to be based on when dates of filing move. And so I could see where there could possibly be a wrinkle of movement, but I still feel like there isn't going to be any until September or October. Uh, and, and I felt that way for several months. But if there is a little bit of movement, then what that means is that there's an indicator of uh, of first come first served that's happening, not, not just an EB2, but maybe possibly an, an EB3. Or that also means that the, the number of um, applications that they were expecting, <clears throat> specifically in EB3, there may be a minimum number available. But if you go back to that chat with Charlie that I mentioned last week, I think it was six, seven, six or seven, um, where he had the graphs and he talked about the demand as we headed into this fiscal year and EB3 was was out of whack and had already met its allocation uh, based on the number requested and the, the demand. So um, we'll continue to track it right now. Where does my gut tell me as I look at kind of walking through my predictions is um, I plan to put those out, uh, you know, a week from today. I, I still am going to caution probably on the side of no movement. But if we do see some movement, then we can go back and say, look, that means November, nine months, right? There's your movement in in final action. And, and does that mean that it will equal dates of filing? I don't know. Will we see movement in dates of filing for EB3? Um, you have to feel like if India is going to move, possibly China may move as well. But you're still in 2018 and 2019 on China. Um, as we look at what that means from a, a spillover perspective. So thanks, Nitin, so much, man. Um, good to see you. And oh, you had one other question. Will EB2 retrogress? I don't think in July. I expect a month of movement over the next three months. <clears throat> and I'm still uncertain if this retrogression corrective action is going to happen um, beginning in October or November. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just uncertain on it right now. I don't have a, an exact feel for it. There's a lot of rumors circulating and, and kind of what I would call uh, disseminating the misinformation that's out there. Hey, Nahar, how are you? Thank you so much. You say thank you for the insightful video. Do I see any movement for EB2 filing date? Your PD is 12-08-2014. Seven days, my friend. Ouch, right? Um, just just crazy that you're that close. I thought last month would have been your month, Nahar. Um, for right now, I'm going to kind of stick with what I've been saying and keep my message uniform. 
which which is I don't think so for this month. But I'm not sure if you'll even get there by the end of the fiscal year either. So you're kind of in this weird spot where if, if the dates of filing don't move for July, then I think I can almost go ahead and, and I don't, I don't want to guarantee anything, but I would be, I would strongly feel that the plan would be to keep dates of filing as is and move final action dates um, over the next couple of months. But I think what you've got to hope for right now, this is just, you know, again, holding out hope, right? What, what we do, what I think you have to hope for right now is the possibility that there is movement in October of 2022. If nothing happens between now and September, that you see dates of filing move, by that point, you'll be current in dates of, dates of filing. And as we know, historically, USCIS has accepted dates of filing in the first few months of each fiscal year i'd still be prepared if you haven't you know already i'm sure you're ready to go as close as you are but again just uh be as patient as you can possibly be i know that's very frustrating um, i know what a roller coaster it feels like nitton says you're four days short of the eb3q yeah very frustrating think about all the folks that have bounced up and down too nitton um, and think about the expenses that their employers have occurred and think about the expenses that the individuals have occurred where employers pass those fees down, right? The I-140 and the I-485. Um, it's crazy. It's a long game for sure, but the downgrade frenzy that happened in 2020 and where we are, um, gosh, I mean, you know, 19 months after that is is really crazy and i don't think anyone predicted it and a lot of you can go back and look at where i advised over and over and over not to downgrade don't downgrade i'm not a fan of it and then i allowed uh, a video um during one of the chats with charlie's to kind of convince me as he said the best of both worlds and you know, I came out and said that I I would capitalize on on the downgrading. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things where at that point it seemed like the right idea, but going back now it it, it wasn't. Unfortunately, these things are fluid and they continue to change. Um, so anyway, again, and thanks, man. You know appreciate you joining me and and always glad to give my opinion right it doesn't mean it's right or wrong it's just my opinion um i know a lot of you who are loyal uh, followers here of this platform um enjoy my my kind of raw take on it um doesn't mean it's right or wrong but i come at it from the standpoint of an employer perspective who is seeking talent talent acquisition right um and that's the race that we're in this war on human capital that i talk about all the time Hey, what's up, Tony? Good to see you, man. Um, do I expect spillover of at least 50K in October 2022, assuming USCIS will waste 20K? Will this remaining 30K, will it reach my date of March 27, 2015 in the EB2? Um, so that spillover would go, actually, any that's wasted returns to family-based. And there's a pretty big backlog in the family-based as well. Uh, so there would have to be spillover that occurred from from the family base that weren't that 
that were not processed and allocated this year. And those would would head over to um, the employment based allocation and, and be in addition to the 140,000. I've not seen any numbers on the expected spillover for 2023. I was under the impression a few months ago that that there was most likely not going to be. Um, but I may be incorrect on that. I um, uh, I haven't seen any data on there. But of course, if you see something, please, as always, feel free to share that with me. Um, you can connect with me via the h1bguy.com. There's a message platform there and other ways to get in contact with me. But I always love to hear from you guys and and how you can share information with me and, and help me keep all of you up to date as much as possible. So, yeah, 63, Venkata. Um, that's why I love that planet count. It helps me. I, I'm, I'm not the greatest at math. Uh, happy to help you, my friend. Uh, just thanks for joining. Hey, RRH, how are you? Thanks for joining. Um, appreciate you jumping in again here this afternoon and, uh, you know, always being a big supporter of this platform and this channel. When's the Stamp It Out series coming back? It's been a while since the last one. Yeah, it really has. It was like, um, has it been a year? It's been a while. I know Dr. Pranav was the last one I had on. Um, so a couple challenges with the Stamp It Out series. One, um, that was one of the original conceptual ideas I had for the platform um, was to view immigrants and tell their story. I still would love to do that. Um, the issue is that I have a client that I support full time um, and the effort that it takes to get individuals like yourself to come on YouTube, show your face and tell your story um, is exhausting. And I don't mean that to mean anything other than um, it's a full time job of networking to get folks who want to come on and tell their story. I'm very grateful for the 10 who did previously come on. There are some great interviews there and I'd love to do more. So if you're interested in coming on and, and telling your story um, on the Stamp It Out series, maybe episode 11, um, reach out to me. Of course, my email is the H1B guy at gmail.com. Um, follow me on Twitter. Ask me to connect there or you can reach me via my website. Uh, but if somebody's watching this now or at a later date and wants to come on and tell their story, um, let's set up a time for us to talk. I'd love to set up that. I, I, I don't want to go away from it. It just is one of those things where there was a bit of a pause that uh, that was put on it. Um, and quite honestly, I, I want to find a format that works for you and for the individual who's being interviewed. I want the audience to gain value from it and hearing others tell their stories. But thank you so much, RRH, for the continued support. I just really appreciate it. Um, just wanted to remind everybody again, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we have here today um, at 2 o'clock Eastern on May 25th, 2022. Um, the school comes to wrap up here for a lot of kids in the U.S., um, and summer is just around the corner as we stare at Memorial Day holiday. Um, if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat function um, that's available during this live stream on YouTube. You can offer a super thanks if you're watching this at a later date. Um, there are other ways to help produce the H1B Guy platform and this uh, content um, in the video description below. Just really appreciate your support. 
Um, but the best way that you can support me is make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like this video. Check out my content. Leave me comments in the video descriptions. Good, bad, and different. I love to hear from you. Um, I've got a few more minutes left. So if you have any other questions, now's the time to put it in so I can make sure that I get to those um, over the next minute or so. But I wanted to do just a quick recap of what we've already talked about today. Um, and that is we started off the stream talking about a question, question number four, that was on the Georgia Republican Party's question. And that question said, two of three current federal work visa programs are lottery based. They're referring to the H-1B and the H-2B specifically, but they didn't state that. Then the question was, should federal work visas instead be issued on job skill? And it was a resounding yes, 86.6% of the vote, 80 80 uh, 80 6,652,788 yeses, 13.4% um, no, 101,078 no's. So very significant as you see. Uh, generally what I would consider to be more to a moderate conservative uh, base here of Republicans in the state of Georgia. Um, Georgia, what would be deemed more as a purple state, right? When you look at Metro Atlanta and its surrounding areas um, and then kind of the rest of the state. So this was very interesting to see the Republican Party asking specifically about lottery systems for work visas and its relation to a merit-based immigration system. I also did a quick July visa bulletin preview. Um, as I mentioned, on June 1st, I'll put out the H-1B guy forecasts, um, my July 2022 visa bulletin employment-based predictions. Uh, but just kind of doing a quick peek ahead. Um, you know, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of movement in final action. I'm still not certain if we're going to see movement in dates of filing. Um, there appears to be some rumors of possibly being some movement in EB3 coming up. Um, over the next uh, the, the next month through the month of July, I haven't seen a lot out there. Um, I, I've We had some questions around expected spillover for next year, and I'm not 100% positive on that. Um, but I know a lot of you are kind of in limbo. There's, there's many of you out there who have these after December 1st, 2014, kind of into the back half of 2015, uh, priority dates and you're very anxious. You're very anxious of what the future holds for you. And uh, I'd be the exact same if I was in your situation. But the unfortunate nature of what's going on, though, was that the processing capabilities or lack thereof, uh, the backlog continues to grow, as I alluded to last week, somewhere between 1.4 to 1.6 million and growing, um, which is just heartbreaking and gut-wrenching to hear. Uh, but with that being said, uh, hey, Ramesh, thanks. Really appreciate your support and taking time to uh, to join me this afternoon. Um, and to everyone who took time here to jump in this live stream and drop me a comment, I really appreciate it. Um, we had a lot of good uh, discussion around the bulletin. We talked a little bit about the H-1B lottery and, of course, you know, the lottery versus merit-based uh, system. But with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close this out here and just remind everyone that today's live stream was brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They'll gladly help you navigate the process. And if you want to find out if you qualify, 
please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Sandesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And I also wanted to mention my good friends at Sandesis uh, and Path to Canada have several billboards that you may see that are currently out in Silicon Valley. And the website is h1bfatigue.com. Um, so very interesting there. Um, I also wanted to mention that the stream was brought to you by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And also by Mob Squad. If you're a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges, your OPT visa may be about to expire, you weren't selected in the recent H-1B lottery, our partner Mob Squad has a solution. They help technology professionals in the U.S. as well as those uh, working from around the world who may be seeking an opportunity to seek a rewarding career in North America. Their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a work permit for you and your spouse in as little as six to eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the folks at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. So I wanted to just close this out by saying thank you to everyone who took time to join me here today. Um, if you haven't, one last time, please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications. If you've made it this far, thank you. I cannot do this without you and your support. I hope you find these live sessions valuable. If you do, please leave me a comment in the video below. Um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, maybe ways that I can improve these live streams and the format of these sessions. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I will go ahead and close this out and let everyone know that I am Robert. I'm the H-1B guy, your global source for all things H-1B.